in association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life podcast, Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between, because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former agri-business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Well, hey to all the farm folks out there listening to us. Thank you for being with us. My name is Archie Mason. I'm your host of That Farm Life podcast. And so here this week, we're going to be talking about a very interesting subject about how to make an appeal to the USDA. But before we jump into that, I know we pick up new listeners each week. That Farm Life podcast is a resource of the Agri Health Network. And so you can go to Agri Health. .net. Check us out on the website. We have a lot of resources there. We're trying to apply some very practical information that help people with the stress and strains uh, of life. Now, we have a saying here. I say it every week on the podcast. It's okay not to be okay. We just want to help you not stay that way. And so, again, check us out, our resources that we have available. And again, too, you can always email us at info at agrihealth.net. And now to our guest today, we are talking with Ms. Tesra Woody. She is the Regional Director of the Southern Region of the USDA Office of Hearing and Appeal. She is retired from the U.S. Army JAG Corps. She was an officer who spent 23 years in uniform. She has a Bachelor of Arts degree in English from Winston-Salem State University, a graduate of Brandeis School of Law at University of Louisville, and a Master of Arts degree in uh, Communication Management from the University of Denver. Ms. Tesla, thank you for being with us today. And thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yes, ma'am. I want to say on behalf of all of our listeners out there, thank you for serving in the U.S. military. I just appreciate you very much. And uh, and so, again, just want to say thank you. Hey, tell the folks that are listening a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of what you do. So I'm a native of North Carolina, grew up on my granddaddy's farm. So I have, I'll say, an emotional sort of ideological connection to farming. It's not um, my profession, but it is something about which I am passionate, something that I have a lot of respect for. After my grandfather retired from the coal mines, uh, he became a truck farmer. And that was how he supplemented his pension and uh, Social Security uh, income. And we were extremely proud of what he was able to do. He grew corn, watermelon, peanuts, um, tomatoes, and he just seemed to have that magic touch. He, uh, One of my fondest memories from dealing with my granddad was that he would always swear by poor Richard's almanac. And I don't know if that, yeah, I don't even know if it's still published anymore, but he kept it right beside the Bible and he was a spiritual man. Yes, ma'am. Uh, so that can tell you the relevance that it had for his life and the guidance uh, that he sought from it and the the um, the reverence he had for poor Richard. Um, but so anyway, that's that's my agricultural sort of connection. So I'm very proud to be uh, part of the the industry that my grandfather chose as his second profession and proud to try to work to make things better and easier for farmers like him, as well as the big guys, you know, the Purdue uh, and Tysons of the world. Uh, we want things to be great for them as well. And I'm just oh, yes, proud ma'am. to be a part of that. 
Yeah. And for some of you, when she when you made the statement, Ms. Tezzer, about he was the kind of that truck farmer where I grew up at, uh, when someone said they got a truck patch. Now, people say, was that a garden? I said, that's probably one of the biggest, largest gardens you've ever seen in your entire life. And uh, hey, well, I grew up at, and it's the same thing. It's local, it's fresh, uh, taking it to market. Uh, it was a lot of work. And so uh, if you grew up there with your granddaddy, I know that that was a lot of work in what he did. Uh, it was, but for a kid, a farm is a delightful place. My brothers and I would play hide and seek in the corn stalks. My father <laughs> was not pleased with that, but we did it. Um, and but then when we would we would you know harvest with him, but we got to reap the benefits of everything. My grandfather would allow us to roast peanuts in the oven. Um, my grandmother would make us uh, all kinds of just wonderful things from scratch. We had muscadines. We had walnut trees on our property. It, it was a, a delightful way to spend a childhood. Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. If you don't mind, just share with us. How did you do that? How did you become an attorney? What led you to that? What led you into the military and serving 23 years in a part of the JAG group? Uh, tell us how that happened. So uh, my grandmother on my mother's side used to tell this story about me all the time. She gave me the nickname Money. I don't have any, but she gave me that nickname. And it was because by the time I reached the age of three, I had the peculiar habit. I'm sure it was off-putting to these adults. But anytime an adult came to the house, I would go to the adult and I would say, give me money. <laughs> and, you know, the adults, you know, they'll they'll um, countenance a, a little bit. They'll tolerate a little bit from a child. They'd give me a penny or two nickels. I'd give it back and tell them, give me paper money. <laughs> I need to pay for law school. So I knew at age three, before I could even spell my own name, that I was going to be a lawyer. So for me, oh, the, wow. path was, the path was preset. At that young age, and he knew that, was there someone or something inspired you or you just set your sights on that yourself or someone spoke spoke a word of truth over you or something? I mean, how'd that happen? I don't know how old you are, but you look to be about my age. And if you are, <laughs> then you can remember that when we had four television stations, ABC, yes, NBC, CBS, and PBS. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, and you okay. go outside for us and turn the antenna with a pipe wrench to sometimes exactly. pick up something. Exactly. Yes, ma'am. Um, so in any case, what we would, what we had access to was what the government had determined was appropriate. Uh, and a lot of times that was um, congressional hearings and things like that. And my mother would just turn it on to have background noise as she cooked or cleaned or did whatever she was doing. But I would sit and watch Congress's operation. Oh, I had wow. no idea what they were doing. But it was fascinating to me. And I can remember taking the dictionary to my mother saying, Find this word and tell me what it means. Find that word and tell me what it means. And again, she put up with it for a while and then it was enough and I needed to go sit down somewhere. <laughs> but the law for me, again, it's it's as natural as breathing. It's the fiber of my bones. I'm it is what it's who I'm supposed to be. I have no questions about that. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I went to undergrad and then uh, went on active duty in the army. And initially I was an intelligence officer. I didn't have the money to go to law school directly yes, right after undergrad. So I ended up getting married to a wonderful man who's very supportive. And he said, if you want to go to law school, go live your dream. So I left the army and went to law school uh, in, and let me correct your pronunciation. It is yes, not Louisville. It is yes. Louisville. And they'll find Yes, ma'am. You're correct. Um, yes, ma'am. Thank yeah, you. But, so I went to the University of Louisville, the Brandeis <laughs> School of Law. Graduated, went right back to the Army uh, on active duty. Now, you asked about 
uh, the influence for the military. A number of generations in my family have served in the army uh, from World War II on down. Yes, I have, I have always had military influences. My mother has two siblings who were in the military. My father's brother was in the military. I, I always had that influence around me. And my uncle used to come home from training or from uh, uh, being stationed wherever he might be. And he would give us these, just tell us these incredible stories. My aunt was in the Coast Guard. She went all over the world. We were utterly fascinated by the, <laughs> the stories she shared with us. And she would bring us the weirdest gifts. These things <laughs> pique a child's curiosity. Like one time she was out in Arizona. From Arizona, she brought back to us lollipops with scorpions in them. And I, I refuse to eat it, but I'll never forget <laughs> it. And I always wanted to go to the places where they do these incredible things. So that was the military um, piece of it. And then that was the law piece of it. So, so that's sort of how I kind of got to where I'm going. Now, the transition from the military to the USDA. I was looking for a job here in Memphis because my husband, he's a little senior to me. He was ready to retire from the Army. I still had a few years to go, but I decided I was going to finish my time in the reserves. So that meant I could go anywhere and join any reserve unit wherever. So he wanted to come home to Memphis, where he is from, and he actually found this job for me. And I thought, OK, let me apply for it and applied for it. I got the job and I've been here now some 16, almost 17 years. Oh, wow. Interesting story of your life. That's exciting. <laughs> you know, wow. Hey, and too, let me just say this. I, I know Ms. Tezzer, she would uh, uh, agree with me also. But man, for anyone out there who says, hey, you know, I'm here and I'm on a little farm or a small rural area. I could never do what she could do. You can too. You can do whatever you put your mind to. And uh, and so, wow, very educated and served a military. Well, okay, let's just jump in here. So you work for the National Appeals Division of the USDA. Okay, so you're going to have to explain to us what that means, what you do, how that works. So I'll start with the job I have now. In 2020, I was selected to be the regional director for the Southern region. Yes, ma'am. As the regional director, I provide the strategic vision for the region. I'm responsible for hiring, training, mentoring, providing uh, supplies and inventory um, for uh, managing the budget. I do outreach like this. I am the face of the region. My deputy assists me in that kind of duty, but this, it is primarily my responsibility. So I interface with our national headquarters on behalf of the region. I make sure we meet our deadlines. I am the director of the region. And I think that that is uh, something that people can sort of envision. Now, the question about the National Appeals Division itself is different. I don't know that your audience is going to be familiar with us. So <laughs> looking forward to talking about what the what the organization is and does. What are some of the issues that you can help with uh, or your division helps with? So the National Appeals Division is a cadre of administrative judges. We are located all over the United States. Here in the South, we have nine Southern states, and we're also responsible for appeals that come out of Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So I get to travel within that footprint um, to do the things, that, the work of the region. Did you say it was seven or nine Southern states? Nine. Nine. Okay, so that... Would we consider that the central southern states? I mean, we're talking Mississippi, Alabama. Yes, we are. That's uh, okay, exactly Arkansas. Arkansas, yeah. Tennessee. Yes, yes all of okay. that. Okay. Uh, including both Carolinas. Okay. 
what, what's an issue, just hypothetically, what's something that would come up that someone would want to appeal uh, a ruling or something? Again, I'm showing my ignorance, so I may be asking something I don't really know, but what, what would be a hypothetical situation, you'd say, or maybe something that's kind of normal? So let's let's take the example of my grandfather. Let's say that he's been a truck farmer for some time and he's ready now. He wants to buy a larger piece of land and really give it a go. So he goes to the farm service agency. He goes and, and he says, I would like a farm loan. Uh, I want to buy 10 acres of land. And farm service agency says, we'd love to do that for you, Mr. Ellis, but your credit is not strong enough. Um, or we we will loan you enough to buy five acres, but not 10. Either of those decisions is appealable to the National Appeals Division. It is appealable in this part I want your listeners to write down for free. Okay. There is no cost to appear before us. There are no filing fees. You don't even have to buy a stamp to mail in your appeal. You can do it online. Um, but so my grandfather could say, hey, why, why did they deny me? My credit is OK. If he doesn't get anything else out of this process, he will at least get an understanding of why the answer was no and what he can do differently next time. What can he do to repair it? But he might get an administrative judge who says, I agree with Mr. Ellis. He did meet your standards. Your decision here was not correct. Go back and do it again. There are probably all types of things or issues that maybe they they wondered why they were denied something exactly. or, or what happened. Okay, so that's a great hypothetical situation, real life, and that. And I can see where that would be a reason that people would want to appeal something. Uh, can you think of any other reasons that they may say, "Hey, I didn't like that ruling. I didn't like what they said," or? You know, I mean, any anything else you think? Absolutely. Comes yes, ma'am. So we have jurisdiction over the decisions issued by six agencies oh, that are connected okay. to USDA. That's the Rural Business Cooperative Service, Rural Utility Service, Natural Resources Conservation Service, Farm Service Agency, Rural Development, and the Risk Management Agency, which provides crop insurance. So oh. if you if if a producer is put on the not insurable list for some reason. He can appeal or she can appeal that decision to us. If you request a home loan or a grant from rural development and for any reason they say no or they say not as much as you want. You want one hundred thousand. We'll give you seventy five. That other twenty five. Bring it to us and let's see if we can help you with it. And the answer, again, may be no. But you made a legitimate point, which is at least you'll find out why. It's not just going to be a piece of paper that says we've determined that you can't have it. It's going to be the opportunity for you to present evidence, for the agency to present its evidence. And then we, as administrative judges, will determine whether the agency followed its own rules. And even when they did, we can look at you and say, Mr. Ellis, Mr. Whomever, Madam Whomever, this is the reason. And this is what you need to do to fix it for next time. One other thing that your listeners need to be aware of is by regulation, by statute, the administrative judges are obligated to assist the appellant who does not have to be represented by counsel. He or she can come in with no one to help them at all. We have even had appellants who are excellent farmers, but not that strong with reading and writing and computers and that sort of thing. They can come in with a child who has been to college and can help or a sibling who can read or whatever the case might be. 
And, and the judge is supposed to say, in order for me to make a decision, I need you to bring in this type of evidence. Do you have receipts? You won't get that in a regular court of law because it's two presumably equal sides, okay? And your lawyer is supposed, your lawyer and his lawyer will go uh, to war at, uh, over the issue. But that's not the way it is with us. You don't need to dress up. Of course, you do need to be decent and in order. <laughs> yes, ma'am. But you can come in. We understand who we're dealing with. The audience we're dealing with is rural producers, for the most part, rural homeowners. And, uh, and so come in in your cowboy boots and your plaid shirt and your, uh, you know, sort of Arkansas issued uniform denim jeans. Come on in and we'll hear that case for you. And we will do the best we can to make sure you're ready for it. Wow. Now that. That is very interesting. So there's no cost to appeal something. You know, sometimes, and it's not that, I, I guess it could be intentional. Sometimes it's not intentional, but you deal with a, a government agency and, you know, you're trying to do everything you can. And then, you know, they say no and they're busy and you walk out of there thinking, well, why did they say no? Do they not like me? <laughs> I mean, you know, or is it my color of my skin or is it something? That, I mean, you know, sometimes you leave with, you don't know why the answer was that way. So this way, there's no, uh, you don't have to have counsel. Uh, you don't have to have resources to do that. Because a lot of times people say, well, I can't, I can't deal with that. I don't have any money to do right. that. So, okay. So if, if someone decides, hey, there's something came up and I didn't understand it. And I couldn't get it explained at the local office very well. Uh, how do they get in touch? I know you said you can go online or what, what, what's the steps for that? Right. So our website is www.nad.usda.gov. At okay. that website, you can literally do everything. You can file the appeal right there. You can read about the organization and how it how everything works. Uh, you can also select links to the office that your state is located in. You can view our map. And see, are you supposed to be in the uh, the eastern region? Are you supposed to be in the south? Are you out in the west? Everything west of the Mississippi belongs to the western region. It's huge. That is the largest region by far and away. Um, and so, but here in the south, um, if you're in Arkansas, if you're in any part of the Bible Belt, or what we call the Bible Belt, what yes, ma'am, yeah. think of, you're going to be in the southern region. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so you can go to the website, you can file the appeal, you can read about the process, you can find out what is appealable. Another thing that I want uh, your listeners to know is that when it sometimes the letter says we've determined here's the answer for whatever you're asking for. It's no. And you can't file an appeal on this. So that's an overreach. Anytime an agency says you can't file an appeal on this. OK. That's a bit of an overreach because Congress has invested the sole authority to determine what's appealable in the director of this agency. So the director of FSA can't make that call. The director of NRCS can't make that call. It has to be made here. So an appellate can say, well, I, first of all, I want to find out if this is appealable or not. If the answer to that question is yes, and it often is, then you can go ahead and file that appeal, even though they said you can't. Oh, wow. How many districts do we have in the U.S.? Uh, just three. Just oh. three. The eastern region, the western region, and the south. Wow. And you're heading the south region. Ms. Tessa, this is some great information. Now, okay, I'm just going to ask an open-ended question. Is there anything else that you think that we need to know? 
I mean, we've covered a lot. You shared a lot. Hey, hey, two folks listening out there, we'll put the link in the show notes. You'll have that. And we'll try to direct you any way we can. But Ms. Tessa, anything that comes to mind, you say, hey, it's something, you know, the listeners need to know. Just this one thing. Oftentimes, appellants are discouraged from applying because they think it's going to damage the relationship that they have with the local office. Okay. I want your listeners to know that it, they need to file the appeal anyway, not just because they might get what they want, but because it's an important and validating process for the agency as well. Because the agencies are sometimes falsely accused of the things you mentioned. It's about skin color. It's about the fact that you're a woman and not a man. It's about, you know, something else that is not appropriate. And they get falsely accused because there is no opportunity to fully explain it. So when you file an appeal and you come to the National Appeals Division, they get to come too. Then they get to lay out for you in detail. This is the factor that I took into consideration. This is the way that we did it, not just for you, but for every producer in the county. So they get the opportunity for a full and fair hearing as well. And that destigmatizes them. So when you come to us, it's not a slight to them. Think of it as an opportunity for them so they can they get the opportunity to sit and lay out everything that uh, that, that was appropriate to be considered so that you have those answers and they get vindicated in the process. You know, that's a very good point. I appreciate you bringing that up because so many times what happens is even with our local offices in our different counties is if you don't understand why and you don't know, there is that, you know, the coffee shop talk that goes on, well, you can't get anything done. They won't help us with that. The doors are shut. You know, we can't get in. We have to make an appointment. And, you know, you kind of get that going on, which you're right. That can give them a, a, a bad reputation when, in fact, they're doing everything they can do. And that's legitimate. So thank you for bringing that out because it is, I, I had not thought about that until you mentioned it. It would be a great fear among uh, producers, regardless of small or large, to, you know, be offensive to the local office because there's so many things they I'd say that control in your life yeah. uh, that you need to get done, especially in some very difficult times that we're dealing with. So, wow, Ms. Tesser, thank you. You're very busy and I just appreciate your time so much. And you have shared so much great information with us. So thank you for being on with us today. Uh, thank you for having me and please have me back again. Yes, ma'am. That's what I was going to say. We, we're we going to get you back again. And uh, uh, so I appreciate that. Well, hey, to all of our audience out there, you know, hey, Ms. Tesla shared so much information. I believe it's going to be one of the podcasts. You're going to need to listen to this a couple of times to really catch everything. We will have the link uh, in our show notes on how you can get access to. And uh, so knowing who to call and who to talk to is very important. And uh, I tell you what, I, I think you'll agree with me on this. We can say thank you to our, you know, our federal government and how we're set up in the USDA to having these appeals division, because quite honestly, I was kind of unaware of that. And uh, so we appreciate Ms. Tesser and everyone at the National Appeals Division for, you know, walking with the farmers and ranchers through the appeals process, a great resource to remember. Well, hey, listeners, hey, make sure uh, to check out our website, AgriHealth. Dot net. We'd love to hear from you again, info at agrihealth.net. If you got a question about today's uh, podcast, this week's podcast, let us know. Uh, we'll try to put you in touch with the right folks. Hey, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, keep farming and uh, keep the faith. We'll see you then. 
You've been listening to That Farm Life Podcast, planting hope, harvesting strength with your host, Archie Mason. That Farm Life Podcast is a creation of the Agri Health Network in conjunction with Grounded Faith Ministries, where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week, keep the faith.